Hey everyone, last thing that I didn't mention uh, while I had uh, Joel on the line. We are officially able to be found on Stitcher and iTunes. Uh, you can search for us by searching the name, Dads Talking Dads, and uh, please subscribe. That'd be wonderful. And uh, again, you can find the website if you want to just stream right from the website. It's dadstalkingdads.podbean.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Dads Talking Dads, and uh, I will create the Gmail this week, I promise, so that you can email us at dadstalkingdads at gmail.com. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Nope. Another week of Dads Talking Dads, a Padres podcast. My name is Johnny, and I am one of the Dads Talking Dads, and I am joined by my fellow dad, Joel. Joel, how's it going? I'm doing well, Johnny. Uh, just uh, hanging out here, having a nice, lazy Sunday. Uh, kids are a little bit sick, but they've been into uh, Bill Nye the Science Guy lately, which is just a treat for me to be able to see that again, you know, 20 some odd years later. <laughs> um, not just in a random day in science class yeah exactly it brings back memories of those those days too but yeah it's the theme song is echoing through the halls of the miller house oh uh, yeah. they're they're super into bill nye right now which is which is hilarious but but awesome bill 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 inertia is a property of math science. <laughs> draft just finished up yesterday uh did you catch much uh or any of it uh i caught some of it on my way home from work on thursday which was probably the most important part of the draft was the top you know five six picks that's what i've heard yeah yeah it's it's harder to care now that you know we've we've been abandoned by uh, the uh, nfl franchise that will remain nameless Um, oh yeah but yeah i thought it was it was interesting that the browns picked mayfield uh for sure. it's it's silly and it's not really based on anything but because the browns picked him I'm, i have concerns that he's gonna be the one guy that doesn't pan out oh <laughs> man because yeah. browns you know yeah yeah um, oh yeah so true and then uh was it the picket oh lamar jackson going at 32 to the ravens i thought was was yeah. kind of a shocker a little interesting a little bit intrigued yeah uh, oh, he's gonna be one of those chip on his shoulder guys, I think. Absolutely, and then how could I forget that you know San Diego State's own Rashad Penny went in the first round. I'm thrilled about that. He's gonna be a Seahawk. Um, I guess I'll be watching a few more Seahawks games uh, than I used to. I, I don't know. I'm still not super excited about the Seahawks, but yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I I was only I was slightly more interested this year. So ever since the the team that shall remain nameless, uh, vacated the premises. Uh, I've been in, I've, I, I feel like I'm someone who's just gotten out of a long-term relationship and I'm like, all right, well, I, I, should I, should I find someone else or, you know, should I just kind of play the field for a little while? So I think last year was my playing the field. I wasn't really invested in any one 
franchise. I vaguely followed the Cardinals, um, but I don't know. It's just it's they're not very interesting. I think um, so. So I think I've gone back to my uh, my childhood love that was pre uh, the San Diego football team. Uh, <laughs> even, even before them, it was the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Oh, there you go. Uh, so yeah, my, my cousin was a big fan of them, and so I was, uh, since I looked up to him, I was like, oh, well, I, I love the 49ers too, of course. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they, they've got Jimmy G. My name's Johnny G, so it's, it's, it's perfect. Yeah. I mean, almost it's identical like, names it's a, there. It's a match made in heaven. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so... I'm pretty psyched on that. They uh, they took an offensive tackle, which is uh, the unsexy but but smart pick. You know, it's it's always later on, like in four or five years, they're like, yeah, they really, you know, set the foundation for the franchise when they drafted this offensive tackle and set the line straight, and that allowed the quarterback to be upright and blah 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 blah. Yeah, it's great. It seems like at the end of a, an offensive lineman's career and at the very beginning of an offensive lineman's career is when they get the most hype right so so like the draft it seems like <laughs> they're trying to like keep the pick as an exciting pick somehow when you know everybody knows it's an offensive line pick we're just all gonna forget about him for the next you know two three years yeah. but i mean we all act like we're hyped about laramie tunsil or you know uh, this shows how much i how much i paid attention to the draft this year this guy's what tunsil's two years ago last year or something like that I know, um, yeah. I don't, I don't even. I think it might have been two years ago. This year, uh, you, you can you can use the 49ers pick, Mike McGlinchey. Oh, that's a great name. I know. Yeah, that's know. solid. Or um, what was it? Brad Bradley Chubb was another one that I really liked. He's yeah, a defensive Chubb. end, but that's just such a good football name in my opinion. <laughs> but yeah, it seems like you know we, we, everybody acts like, oh, offensive line, he's going to be a superstar, and it's like, how do you be a superstar offensive lineman? Like, I understand the game. I understand how important offensive line and blocking is. But, like, it's just not a position that's meant to be in the spotlight. You know, it's just you're, oh, you're yeah. going to be an unsung hero. Like, it seems like a marketing play, in my opinion, when, you know, the offensive linemen come off the board. Like, oh, he's, this guy's a beast. He's a mauler. He's going to throw people all around the field. <laughs> <He's trying to laughs> You'll never exciting. watch any of it because the ball will never be in their hands, but they'll be doing it. <laughs> They're going to be in the trenches. And that's what you need in today's National Football League. <laughs> you can watch him point at defensive linemen to call out blocking schemes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I, it, it is, though, even even though I'm trying to uh, follow the 49ers, it's still tough to get super into it. Um, I think at this point maybe I'll just enjoy the, the experience of hanging out with friends and watching games. Yeah, yeah. Plus, I, I mean, I could just follow fantasy players without really worrying about any sort of team affiliation, which is always very freeing and a good feeling. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Until your team's in the toilet. Right, right, right. Yeah, then, then then there's nothing else to do, so I just switch it off, go play <laughs> video games or something. Yeah, but yeah, like makes, a Madden team. <laughs> here we go. But yeah, it makes, you know, makes watching football less stressful when you don't have to... You know, totally does a one team or the other. I'm, but that, that at sort that of point, you're like just rooting for touchdowns. Thing. Yeah, yeah it's, it sort of feels it sort of feels like Andre from the league though, when he's you know when he's not in the playoffs. Oh, this is so great! I don't have to worry about setting my lineup or anything like that. <laughs> you know, like oh, I don't have to worry about teams winning anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, luckily, we didn't really have to worry about that with the San Diego football team. Very true. So, didn't have to worry about too much winning. Uh, all right. Well. Uh, Good stuff. Uh, yeah, I I hope the 
young players pan out and play well and that your team, whoever you root for, is successful. Uh, but, uh, but we'll move on a little bit to uh, get back to uh, the Padres here and get into a bit of the scuttlebutt uh, from the Ooh. last week. Oh, yeah. It's a I think at some point. <laughs> I'm sorry, the scuttle tushy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think at some point I'll try and maybe get some, you know, piratey music for the scuttlebutt because I think it's just a piratey term. Agreed, yeah. But, uh, the, yeah. The, uh, the this first item here on the agenda uh, Will Myers is back on the disabled list, uh, this time with an oblique strain. Uh, if you, you'll remember it's his second DL stint this season. Uh, he was uh, on the DL earlier this month with nerve irritation in his right arm. Uh, he's been doing well this season. He's uh, hitting 300 on the season. Uh, hasn't shown a ton of the, uh, the power that he showed last year. Uh, but obviously he's been, you know, been hurt here and there. Uh, hasn't been able to stay on the field a whole lot. Uh, and to replace him on the active roster while he is on the DL, and uh, that is the 15-day DL, not the 10-day DL, just to uh, be uh, specific there. Uh, but Travis Jankowski was called up back from AAA to take uh, Myers' spot while he's out. Uh, Myers said that he expects to be out for about two weeks, but at the same time, um, with an oblique strain, you never know. It could take anywhere from two to probably about six weeks on the long end. Uh, so, so hoping, hoping he's back soon. But Joel, uh, how much do you think we should be overreacting on a scale from one to ten? Uh, oh man. Well, so whenever I get scale of one to ten questions, I just love to to piss people off and uh, go with the over ten option. So I'm gonna say fifteen. We should be <laughs> full panic, red alert. Um, Our scale goes goes to eleven. There we, that's right. That's right. <laughs> So with Will Myers, I mean, he's already missed. So he's showing here he's had 10 games so far, and we're just shy of 30 on the season for the Padres. So two-thirds of the games missed already. Um, I, I feel like, was he even really back? I mean, how long was he back up for? A week? Yeah, it was not long. He came back on the 20th and went back, and then he was back on the DL, I think it was yesterday or two days ago. Yeah, so just over a week he, he was back, and back out he goes. I don't know if he maybe rushed his way back from an injury or... You know, tried to go before he was ready, but um, yeah, I, I'm I'm concerned for sure. Uh, and I mean, you, we talk about how he's doing well in the season. He's had you know 40 plate appearances thus far, so I think small sample size would definitely come into play. Um, but I I think we kind of know what we have with Will Myers, so it's uh, he's not a huge mystery. But um, yeah, yeah, I I'm not excited about you know this little rash of injuries so early in the season i mean it's still april uh we gotta yeah. get all the way we gotta get all the way through the you know the rest of the 162 game season so uh yeah i'm concerned for sure how about you yeah yeah that, and my concern especially is that you know and, and he's had injury issues uh not constant but here and there for for most of his career uh but I think it's the fact that he's back to playing in the outfield this season, and there are more injuries. I think you know uh, we're 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 on a trend where there's going to be more time on the DL this season than there was last season, which might beg the question at some point is obviously Will wanted to play in the outfield because he enjoys playing there, uh, and we have Hosmer to specifically play at first base since we're an NL team and don't have a DH. Uh, 
So at that point, if Will Myers isn't able to play in the outfield for health reasons, where does he go? Yeah, what do you do? I don't know. Because Os- yeah. Osmer's certainly not going to go to the outfield, right? Exactly. And, and, and yeah, at that point, it's do we just kind of stick with it and hope that he stays healthy, which I think is has to be the plan right now. Um, but if not, I don't know who would be willing to... And I don't even think I want to say this, you know, speculate at this point. But if we were to get to that point, uh, who would want to take on a lot of that contract uh, if we if we decided that ultimately this experiment isn't working? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I think people around the league already see it as a hefty price for Will Myers. Uh, but if he, you know, if, if last year was the best we saw and it's going to be, you know, a lot of injury injuries from here on out in the outfield i think i think it could prove to be a difficult uh, contract on the books right uh, especially because i i, I think other teams are going to pick up on the fact that whenever he's played in the outfield he's been plagued by injuries so they're not going to be looking for will myers the outfielder i think teams are going to be looking for if they're looking for will myers at all will myers the first baseman um which is a position that's pretty easy to find offensive talent and it's not a position that requires a ton of defensive skill i'm certainly not going to say it doesn't require any obviously you know it's a major league baseball defensive position you're gonna have to play defense, oh yeah but, uh, a lot of stretching for sure you know you gotta you gotta make those picks and uh, <laughs> um, yeah but i mean it's i feel like the padres have painted themselves into a bit of a corner which was the obvious criticism that came out when the hosmer signing was made was you know you've already got a first baseman and now now something's got to give here. Like, who's going to go? And where are they going to go? How are we going to get anything back for this? Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I see a lot of ways that this could turn out pretty bad, and I don't see a whole lot of ways that this is going to turn out well. Yeah, the the I, I will say you know the and it's super 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 small sample size because again he's only played I think you said what ten of the thirty games, but um, he was batting well you know to start the season and he was hitting actually above three hundred during that week that he came back. Um, so it's nice to see that the injuries aren't totally throwing him off of his game so far. Uh, so that is, you know, hopefully that continues is, is, you know, if he does land on the DL and comes back, hopefully he, uh, you know, comes back playing at the same level that, that he was before. But, uh, yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's concerning, but we'll, we'll definitely keep an eye on it, uh, as the season unfolds. Uh, next item that I had on here, next, uh, point to talk about, and we talked about it a little last week when we previewed it, but, uh, Eric Lauer, uh, started, uh, Tuesday's game in Coors, Coors. out there in Coors Field, and, uh, it, it wasn't particularly pretty when you look at the numbers, uh, he went, uh, three plus innings, gave up, uh, seven runs total, six of those earned on, uh, six hits, uh, four walks, and he had a number of strikeouts, but for some reason, I don't have that here. Here, where is he? I actually got their page up. He had three strikeouts, um, so not great numbers uh, if you if you look at them. But I I watched a, a bit of the game when I had a chance. I actually tuned in um, in between the first and second inning. There was a rain delay for a pretty long while. Um, it had actually snowed and rained a little earlier that day. Uh, which I, I think definitely can contribute to that poor outing from Lauer. Uh, I think that, you know, that especially with that rain delay, that can throw a lot of guys off, uh, just completely throws, you know, I think both the hitters, but especially the pitchers who are starting, uh, totally throws them off their rhythm. Uh, so, so even though it wasn't a, a great first start for, uh, for 22-year-old Eric Lauer, I, 
I'm not too terribly worried about it, just being that it's in Coors, it was super, super cold. Um, and, and there was rain delay to, to, to throw things off there. But, uh, uh, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. What did you think uh, from, from uh, what you saw from Eric Lauer? Not super surprised with the way that went. I mean, we had concerns, like I said last week, about, um, you know, a, a rookie pitcher making his debut on the road. And, you know, on top of that, having that road start be at Coors Field. Um, so, again, I, I didn't expect a great result um to have that poor of an outing is a little bit of an issue but i think you make some good points about weather being an issue a a rain delay coming in between the first and second innings that's going to throw you off if you know you're just kind of sitting waiting to play baseball arm maybe gets a little cold um uh, what i did like about the way things went i I watched some of the highlights of, of him getting uh shelled for lack of a better term out there uh it seems like his head's in the right place he he gave up a grand slam uh, he was smiling about it as he watched the ball leave. I, I think a lot of people might think that, uh, take that the wrong way. It's like, oh, he, he just doesn't care about the game, and he's not taking this seriously. But in my opinion, I, I think being able to, to laugh something like that off, especially in your first start as a 22-year-old you know, rookie ball player, I think bodes pretty well for his mental status, and that's something that is going to be important for him moving forward as a pro. Yeah, yeah I totally agree. I, I think he had a... I was reading his post-game comments about it, and I, I think he had a, you know, like you were saying, a good attitude about it. He understood it wasn't a great outing, but he also understood, uh, you know, the circumstances that he was in. And, and obviously, I don't think he was expecting to start a game in April uh, this season. I think he was probably expecting to join this team, uh, you know, if not May, June, or even September. Uh, so, so yeah, it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a wonderful start to see but the Rockies are also uh, you know a, a pretty good team with some really nice hitters uh, especially right in the uh, right in the middle of that lineup uh, you know with uh, Arenado <clears throat> excuse me uh, Blackman and LeMayhew uh, which actually kind of brings us to our uh, our, our next topic here which was uh, while the team was in Colorado uh, Andy Green talked on Wednesday that uh, he wanted to use Brad Hand late in the games for what he said uh, for the teeth of the lineup, uh, his his uh, his quote there. Um, and he, he had actually used him that day in the seventh um, when the Potters were down three runs, so not a typical time for Brad Hand to stay in. Um, but it sounds like uh, Green wants to wants to utilize Brad, you know, wherever, uh, you know, whichever inning late in the game, you know, if it's tight or, or it sounds like if the Potters have a chance to, to come back, you know he wants to use uh, wants to use Brad more when the meat of the lineup's coming up. Um, so so do you like him more in the traditional closer role, or do you kind of like him more in what uh, what Green's talking about, maybe the uh, the uh, Andrew Miller fireman role? Well, uh, I mean we know that uh, Andy Green likes to, to tinker. Uh, he tinkers with the lineup. Uh, he'll tinker with defensive shifts, and looks like he's ready to start tinkering with the bullpen now. Uh, with Brad Hand, the way he's performed early this season. Um, I mean, I could see it going either way. I mean, it could be a way to shake things up to where maybe he's not so in his own head and he can settle in and just pitch. Um, but I could also see it being something to where he feels like there's not that... And it, it may, uh, it's hard because he's saying for the teeth of the lineup, which we would assume is the three, four, five hitters. Um, but, I mean, it could be perceived as something like uh Andy Green doesn't have the confidence in him as a closer so he's gonna put him in a you know like you said the fireman role which you know which by all accounts should be considered uh, a bit of a compliment you know you you know this is the heart of the order these are the best hitters on the team 
but again, you know, it's hard to, to predict the mentality of a guy out there who's, you know, he's had the closer role. If he, you know, feels that he is the closer, he is the guy, moving him around could do things to uh, a mentality that may, may be already a little bit shaky so far in this early season. Um, we've, we've watched Ham give up, you know, some pretty ugly blown saves so far. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think it could work out really well. Uh, I think I'd prefer him in the traditional closer role if it's my decision. Uh, but again, I, I could see it going either way. I could see this turning out really well and Andy Green looks like a genius, or I could see this really hurting um, Brad Hand's confidence and then it you know makes Andy Green look really bad, makes Brad Hand look really bad, and um, that kind of plays into uh, his trade value, uh, in, in my opinion. So if, if it works out well, great. Then you look at a guy that maybe can do uh, a, a two-inning save, you know, if he's got that capability to go eight nine instead of just the ninth inning only, yeah, um, then then maybe that improves his trade value. But then again, if he's if he's shaky or if he's given up a lot of runs, you know, if he's not handling that transition well, then that's only going to hurt his trade value, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, a- a- absolutely. Um, I'm I'm going to respond to that in a minute, but before I do, now I know you said that Andy Green likes to tinker. Should we start calling Andy Green Geppetto? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm not against it. I, I won't, I'm, I'm good with that. <laughs> okay, we'll have to we'll have to find a Pinocchio on the team. I, I don't know who would be who would be Pinocchio. Who he's trying to make into? Maybe it's just whoever he's working with that week is his little Pinocchio. Yeah, they're all they're all his they're little like, puppets. I'm a real baseball player. <laughs> uh. Oh man. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, uh, yeah, I, 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 just going back to, you know, back to Brad Hand, I, I, I agree on a lot of that. Um, you know, I, I think it, it is up to Hand a lot on what he's, uh, you know, what, what he's comfortable with. Um, I know some guys like, you know, have, have stated that they like, you know, specifically coming in in one inning and, and knowing when that's going to be and, and being able to prep themselves for the situation. And there's other guys um, so like Archie Bradley, I think is, uh, from the, uh, Diamondbacks has talked about how he, uh, and you know, he, he used to be a starter and he, he enjoys starting, but he's really enjoying filling that fireman role right now for the team and just kind of, you know, coming in whenever and shutting guys down and, uh, you know, having a kick-ass beard. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if Brad Hand wants to do that, I think that, and if he wants to do that and it's good, if, if he is good at it, if he's successful, I think it, it, it could potentially make him more valuable if he is being successful in that Andrew Miller, Archie Bradley type role um, versus the traditional closer. Because I think so many more teams are seeing the benefit that has for the team, for, for a guy like that. I mean, if you look at a lot of the teams that that um, have been in the playoffs the last two years, I think they've utilized that well with Cleveland, with uh, Houston, with, with uh, Chris Davinsky. Um, you know, the, the D-backs were in the playoffs last year and they had Archie Bradley in that role. Um, so I think it's, you know, a lot of teams are, are realizing the, the help that can be. Because I think for, for a while in baseball, I mean, honestly, since probably like the like 70s, 80s, it's been the idea of a reliever who pitched more than one inning was usually your terrible long reliever. And then every other guy would pitch one inning or less. Um, so I think, I think it's kind of neat. That uh, you know that 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 this uh, this role has kind of come back. Um, 
if so, so if Brad Hand uh, pitches the seventh or the eighth, uh, is there a specific guy you'd prefer to take over the ninth inning when it would be the quote unquote save chance? Um, that that's a bit of a concern for me because I don't I don't know who the guy would be to to take over that role. Um, it, admittedly, I, I need to pay a little bit more attention to uh, the bullpen, um, but I don't I don't know if that's the the biggest strength. I mean, I think our entire pitching staff is in, in need of some, you know, help on the ros- roster. I mean, especially the, the starting rotation, but I think the bullpen is, has been lackluster as well. I mean, we saw Jordan Lyles come in and get wrecked um, in short order right after uh, Brian Mitchell, which we'll be talking about a little bit later. Um, so, I mean, that's another issue I have with uh, potentially moving hand around because if he's already used up and, you know, you're at seventh or eighth inning and you've got to go to somebody else, who, who's that guy? And I think you you probably have a better beat on it than I would, but uh, I, I don't see a guy who's going to step up and take that role. But again, maybe it opens it up for some of the young, younger talent that's coming up, the, the uh, hot talent lava, if you will, from uh, from the miners. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm not exactly sure. I mean, I think the there's a couple obvious names. I, I, I know Craig Stammen's been good this season. I just don't see him as a closer. Um... I know a lot of people like Kirby Yates. Um, uh, I've heard some people talk about uh, Phil Maton. I think I'm saying that name right. I know that's awful. I should know how to say his name. I've seen him pitch, and I've heard his name. I just It's one of those things where I'm saying it, and I'm like, is that right? I don't know <laughs> if that's right. Um, but I know those two, uh, uh, you know, uh, what am I trying to say here? I'm, I'm stumbling all over my words, but I know those two are guys that... Um, have possibly been talked about that, you know, I think when people were talking about maybe um, Brad Hand, you know, if he was possibly traded, who might take over? I know those were those were a couple names out there. Uh, Maton in particular, he's been he's been really solid this season. He has an ERA under one point uh, nine zero uh, in ten innings. Um, so he, he's done well this season. Uh, Yates is yeah, Yates has also done well. He's kind of bounced around uh, AAA and, uh, and and coming up here, same with Maton. But I, I think either of those guys potentially could. Um, but at the same team, same time, I've also seen both of them, you know, uh, uh, totally blow up sometimes. So so I agree. I, I don't know if I have a guy that I am as confident in as I am with Brad Hand. Uh, but uh, but we, we might just end up seeing if some, you know, one of those guys has, has what it takes, has the the uh, the the je ne sais quoi that it takes to to be a closer, <laughs> right? Yeah, and I, I mean in a year where we're expecting this to have a down year, we're not expecting this team to win a lot of games. Um, it makes sense to to apply a strategy like that to sort of see what you have in the bullpen and see who does have that sort of uh, mental fortitude and confidence to be able to to handle a closer role. Because I mean, you never know until you put somebody in there. Totally. Yeah, I think even sometimes the guys themselves aren't even sure, and then you know maybe they uh, just kind of get into it and realize they like it. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey likes uh, it. Yeah, <laughs> he likes it. He likes it. Um, my next little thing that I had marked down here is just that Kaz Makita is awesome. Um, I wrote this before. So we are recording today on Sunday, April 29th. Uh, he did go out today, and in that 14 to two drubbing. Uh, that the Mets just put on us. Uh, he did give up five earned runs in one inning. That was not awesome. But other than that, no. Kaz Makita has been pretty awesome. Uh, so uh, for those unfamiliar, which I'd be surprised if you are, 
but uh, he is the Japanese submarine uh, pitcher who uh, came over this season. Uh, I always love guys that it, it, I don't. It seems to be just relievers that happen to come over from Japan or like already in their mid thirties, but are still just like totally kicking ass. Um, and I always enjoy that. I, I like when guys that you think should be later in their career are still really good. Uh, which is Makita. Uh, he was supposed to be a kind of a ground ball pitch to contact guy. Um, but he's been done a really good job of utilizing his high fastball uh, as well as another pitch that I'll, I'll talk about in just a minute here. Um, but he's got uh, 12 Ks in 12 innings pitch, so uh, nine, 9 Ks per 9, which is much more than, than people had expected. I think a lot of the projections this year were having him around 5 Ks per 9, so, so that's uh, 5 or 6. Uh, not only is he a submarine pitcher, but he maxes out at about, I want to say, like 83 miles per hour on his fastball, and he also throws an EVIS pitch, which is fantastic, and I think that all pitchers should throw them along with knuckleballs. Uh, but, uh, but I just wanted to, to talk about Kaz Makita and how awesome he is. Um, have you been enjoying watching him as well? Uh, yeah, I, I always enjoy a good submarine pitcher. I remember in my days of, of little league ball, there were, there's always, it seemed like it was maybe like once or twice a week where I'd try and throw submarine for a little while. I, I got pretty good at it. I mean, I don't, I never tried to pitch full speed, but it's, it's fun to do. You should give it a try next time you're playing catcher, uh, you know. Figure out with your kids yeah. playing catch in the yard we, or something like that. Just throw, we throw a practiced submarine. a lot in that. We practiced a lot in that empty lot next to our house. Yeah, that's right. Next to my house, you know, I baseballs, mean. <laughs> tape balls. Uh, there was the unfortunate oh, incident where I caught you in the face with a tape ball and you were riding on a bike. I'll never forget that oh, day. Oh, you remember that? Yeah, oh. dude. That was a dark, dark day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was, it was ridiculous. It was, it was ridiculous. <laughs> um, anyway, but yeah, uh, I'm showing in, on Fangraphs here. You, you mentioned 83. Fangraphs is showing him at 80.6 for his fastball velocity, which oh, just um, kidding. <laughs> which you, you you had mentioned earlier may have been because of a small sample size, which I think is totally fair. You know, pitchers tend to gain a little bit of speed as the the season goes on. So, you know, we we definitely haven't seen his his 100 yet. He could easily hit 85 or 86 if he's really you know rear and back, but. <laughs> Um, yeah, another, another interesting, that EFIS pitch, I think it shows up on fan graphs here on his pitch type. There's a, it's XX percentage. And so I, I was like, what in the world is that? And I click on it and it says unknown percentage. And it looks like he throws that pitch 1% of the time so far. And I have to assume that's his EFIS. Um, yeah, I think so. That, that's just, that's amazing. I, I, anytime any pitcher throws an EFIS or a screwball or a knuckleball, I'm instantly entertained. So um, yeah, super excited about Makita. The fact that he's throwing 12 Ks per nine is, is great. Um, I'm not sure it's going to hold up for much longer. I think he's a brand new um, pitcher who, on top of that, throws with a deceptive motion. So, I mean, it's going to work for a while, but I, I think with velocity that low, unless he's got supreme command, he's going to start having some of these poor outings like we saw today. Um but, I mean, he does have some things working in his favor. So that fastball velocity is at 80.6. He throws a sinker that's 79.3, according to fan graphs. Um, when you've got a pitch that's, you know, a straight, well, I mean, with a submarine, everything's got a little bit of break to it, I'm sure, especially the major leagues. But you've got a straighter pitch in your four-seam fastball, and then you've got a sinker that's going to drop off the table, and they're both going approximately the same speed. That's going to multiply the Deceptimus even more, uh, you know, on top of him being brand new, on top of him having the submarine delivery. So, I mean, it, 
it's hard to say how long he can keep this up with this level of effectiveness, but as long as he can, um, he's going to be exciting and a lot of fun to watch. So hopefully this is just a, a blip on the radar against the Mets and, and not a sign of uh, MLB team scouting him out and figuring him out. Oh, man, I hope not because it's too early for that. On the opposite side of Kaz Makita being awesome, uh, Brian Mitchell just needs to work some things out here. Uh, he pitched again. He was actually the starting pitcher in today's 14-2 shellacking uh, that the, the Mets put on us today. Uh, and it, it's been... He went today. It was uh, four and two-thirds, four and runs off of uh, five hits and four walks. Um, and on the season, he's got now a 6.0... He's 0-3, 6.07 ERA. Uh, he's given up 20 earned runs in 29 innings pitched, and he has a whip of 1.9. So he's given up 1.9 walks uh, and or hits per innings pitched, which is uh, not good. Uh, uh, at the at you know, and and I think a lot of people might be saying, oh, why doesn't the team just send him down? Why doesn't he work on some things? Um, so Brian Mitchell is uh, out actually out of minor league options. Um, so if the Padres wanted to send him down, he. I, he would need to clear waivers. Uh, but honestly, at this point, I'm not sure if anyone would make a claim uh, on him. I think they might be safe just doing that. Uh, just with his performance this year, it, it, it hasn't been there, uh, I think. And I talked about this last week, but a lot of it's just location. Um, you know, some of his pitchers have decent movement, but he's just totally missing location. Uh, he gave up a big home run today. Um, I'm trying to remember who it was, too. But uh, but it was just on a pitch that just totally it was supposed to be off the plate and it ended up being right down the middle, slightly high and and it, and it got crushed. But uh, yeah, for me, I just one thing I've been I've been watching is just Brian Mitchell needs to work things out. I, I I hope he does. I just don't know if he will because his numbers this season aren't exactly an outlier from from his career stats. But uh, uh, I don't know. Is, is there anything from that you're seeing from Brian Mitchell that's given you any hope? Uh, I, you know, I want to be optimistic. I feel like I've been the, the pessimist this whole show. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. It's, it's not looking great. The, the, uh, I mean, he doesn't give up a lot of home runs per nine innings. That's, that's a plus. I, that might be the silver lining. I mean, that may be what an A.J. Crowler would see when he's going to get a guy like Brian Mitchell in that uh, trade. Uh, he was the, the Yanjera Solarte for, was it Chase Headley and, uh, Brian Mitchell together, correct? Oh, different trade actually. So oh, okay. Solarte. Um, yeah, because that doesn't I make remember. sense. I don't Solarte remember what the Solarte the one was. Days. No, but yeah, I think I think Solarte. Um, yeah, Solarte ended up I think just become no. We, we we traded him for something. I'll have to look it up. But um, he was the we gave them Jabari Blash, who they have already released. That's and uh, yeah, and then we got we got uh, we ate Chase Headley's money and got. Um, Brian Mitchell, who they were actually, the team has been psyched on him since they traded him, since they traded for him. Um, I remember even in spring training, Andy Green was talking about guaranteed rotation spots, and it was basically Perdomo, uh, Lamette when he was healthy, Clayton Richard, and Brian Mitchell. Um, and so for the longest time, there was only one spot that was open. Um, and I think, uh, and then at one point, Perdomo was kind of faltering there, but for, for, since the beginning of spring training, they had they had him penciled in like he he was just in there no matter what for the for the rotation, which I'm 
kind of wondering why after watching him so far. Yeah, it's it's strange. I mean, you said these aren't, uh, you know, his whip number isn't isn't really an outlier. I mean, we look at 2016 with the Yankees, 1.52 whip. Um, 2015, 1.79. I mean, it's still a relatively short career for him. He's, uh, he's 27, I believe. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, this is a time when typically you would say that, you know, a ball player is typically entering his prime. So, I mean, maybe it's just a small mechanical issue to where he needs to work out his command and then he'll have have the stuff to, you know, make things happen. But uh, I don't know. I mean, he's, he's been here for a little while. Uh, I mean, it might take a little bit longer to work some of those kinks out. Maybe we just need some more time with uh, with the pitching guru, uh, Darren Balsley, to, to get him straightened out. Yeah, yeah. At this point, I'm and you know on on some of the good some of the some of the guys who are doing well and some of the guys who are struggling, I still have to remember to say it's early, and we're not even in May. And you know, I think a lot of these guys, you know, especially for you know Brian Mitchell in a new environment, um, you know, some guys just need some time to settle in and and figure things out, you know, before they uh, start, you know, uh, making positive steps forward i guess <laughs> yeah i suppose but just to bring back a little of the panic i, I just got to look at his uh please do his strikeout to walk percentage it's negative 8.6 percent so far for 2018 <laughs> yikes yeah it's been i mean every time i look at his line it's like three walks five walks four walks like and i think that that and that right there i think is the uh, you know shows the location troubles that he's that he's having is that uh, pitchers are I you know I I think it's pretty easy to realize early in the game that he's having trouble pitching to his location and he's having trouble keeping it in the zone, and I see a lot of guys go o two on him and then are just able to sit back and end up with a walk somehow, which drives me up a wall. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, but but yeah, ho- you know, hopefully things change, but uh, I I don't think either of us are expecting things to. But uh, eh, you know, oh well, can't can't have everyone be amazing all the time. Uh, <laughs> My last thing, uh, just something that I've been enjoying watching this season, uh, is Eric Hosmer. Uh, I feel like Eric Hosmer is like the older brother on this team who keeps everyone from falling apart when it like gets weird or you know stuff's getting hard and everyone's freaking out. Uh, I think he just kind of you know keeps it chill. You know he keeps it tranquilo, as they say. Uh, so I don't know. I'm just I'm glad he's on the team. Uh, I, I know we paid a lot of money but i think the contract is you know and i'll say i've said it once i'll say it again i think the contract is worth it i think this team you know uh seems to have their head on a swivel a bit more when he's on the field yeah and I've, I've been pretty pleased with hosmer as well and it's it's hard to say uh it, all we really have to go on is how this team performs when they're on the field and hosmer's on the field i mean we don't know what's going on inside a clubhouse um but yeah, I feel like that that experience of having you know been on a World Series team, uh, I think that's part of the a big part of the reason why he was brought to San Diego in the first place. Um, it's, it, I mean, it, it's easy, especially with a group of really young guys, to let you know some of the mistakes that are going to happen as a team grows get to you to the point where maybe teams start packing it in or you know hanging their heads and just sort of letting things happen and then things sort of snowball. Uh, so hopefully. Uh, Hosmer is the sort of guy to kind of keep everybody on the level and say, hey, you know, it's a long season, a lot of baseball left to play, that sort of stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think his, his on-field persona sort of, like you said, is sort of that even keel, calm, sort of 
presence that I think can play a big role in this team. Uh, now, yeah, I mean, we, ab- we, absolutely. Sorry. No, you go. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned earlier in the show that uh, you know we feel like the Padres are sort of painted into a corner potentially with having you know Will Myers and Hosmer on the same team. I mean that. I, I, I don't know. To some extent, that's sort of just crying about spilled milk. We kind of are where we are, but <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the, I agree that I, I think the contract that he was given, while maybe not like as team-friendly as it potentially could have been, it's still it's not the worst contract ever. It's got you know it's got a bit of a team out on it to where it's not going to be the full $144 million if he's not performing the way you know we hope he will. Um, so, yeah, I mean... There, there's some. It's not the perfect signing, but there's. Uh, he's definitely got value on this team. I think. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I think sometimes people treat this like it's the pools contract, where they're like, he's gonna be, he's gonna be thirty three at the end, and it's like, guy, you know, guys are still in their, guys are still in their prime at thirty three nowadays, um, especially for spacemen. I mean, I, I think they can uh, still produce quite a bit longer than, than you know, pretty much every other position. So uh, yeah, I, I think he'll still be he'll still be a, a strong positive contribution for this team when they're uh, playoff bound. <laughs> well, speaking of first baseman in their thirties, Adrian Gonzalez just uh, went ham on the Padres today. So, um, oh my gosh, <laughs> they can do it. The older first baseman can still still produce offensively for sure. Yeah, yeah, for and uh, I, I don't know if if anyone watched this game today, the uh, the Sunday game where we got trounced. Uh, Adrian Gonzalez was he Adrian Gonzalez was like ten feet away on two hits from having like a monster day. He was three for six with uh, I believe five RBI. He had one home run, uh, but there were two different balls that he hit to deep, deep, deep right center, just like that deepest part over there. And uh, one hit the uh, the base of the wall for a double, and one Franchi Cordero barely caught it, maybe just a, a couple feet before the wall. Um, and if those, if each of those had just a little bit of juice, he would have been about, he would have been five for six with three home runs and probably like nine RBI. So yeah, he was, he came to play today. That's for sure. You know, it's, 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 it's probably because he didn't hit him opposite field as we know from playing, you know, season after season of MVP 2005 baseball on the PlayStation two, um, Adrian Gonzalez, he's, he's all about that opposite field power, you know, so his, those his been one home run today, his one home run was an opposite field oh, shot. Right. <laughs> Case in point. Thank you very much. Yeah, it was, it was, it was classic. It was really nice to see, honestly. Uh, uh, I miss know, that guy. Yeah, I really do too. Oh man. Oh man. Yeah. And totally off topic, but I, I think, uh, that's another thing that I really like about what Preller's doing is a reason that the San Diego Padres fans loved Adrian Gonzalez so much is because there is such, I mean, Mexico has a, a ton of Padres fans. Um, it's basically Padres, Yankees, Dodgers, probably a couple other teams as well, but I know those are generally the top three. Um, but I mean, there's a ton of Padres fans, especially, you know, in, in towns like Tijuana near the border and, and, uh, and all around there. And, and especially just the number of, um, you know, uh, just Mexicans that live in San Diego and just in Southern California in general, that I think that a guy like Adrian Gonzalez, obviously they're going to, um, uh, you know, support, I would say even more than just, you know, your, your, your average Padres player. Um, and I, I think, uh, you know, AJ Preller's, I don't, I don't know if he specifically noticed that, but, but I think the fact that he is getting so many players um, from Latin America 
you know, is is uh, is a really smart move because I think we've got, you know, fans. I would say not only just in just in Mexico, but you know, probably throughout you know parts of Latin America, and uh, you know, getting 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 I think players that they will uh, you know be supporting is is just a smart idea of just getting people more, uh, you know, getting the fan base more excited about the players that they watch. But uh, super off topic, but you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get it. I mean, the international scene for for baseball players is. I mean, it's just a hotbed of talent right now, and it has been for years, to be honest. But uh, the Padres aren't the only team to try to act on that. I mean, teams all over the you know the uh, Major League Baseball are, are kind of falling all over themselves to get uh, to get at this international talent. We had um, oh man, I forgot who it was. Uh, it was a GM who resigned um, because he had oh, circumvented yeah. the international Oh yeah, was it the Braves rules. GM? Was it? Yeah, yeah, I think it was the Braves GM. Yeah, I can't yeah, remember yeah. his name. That's what it was. Yeah, so I mean, the, these teams are are seeing it as well. Not, it's not just the Padres. So to have to have a GM like AJ Preller, where his uh, his forte, if you will, is is scouting out those international prospects. I think that's going to be huge for the Padres as they make that run for twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I think it'll uh, <laughs> twenty twenty. I know. I, I had to, actually. I updated it on uh, on our website. I initially, I think, it, the description was, uh, you know, where uh, Johnny and Joel discussed the twenty twenty World Series champion San Diego Padres. I did change it to twenty twenty one just to be safe. <laughs> I, I felt like two seasons from now is too soon, but three is totally within reason. Oh yeah, you gotta hedge your bets a little bit. That's that's fine. That's fair. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, that is it for the uh, for the scuttlebutt portion, uh, scuttlebutt news, notes, observations, what have you. Butts have been scuttled. And uh, yep, the butts are scuttled. The uh, I forget where I was going to go with that. But yeah, the butts are scuttled. Uh, so with that, I'm going to move on to uh, a return of a game we played last week, um, which uh, which I'm titling. Uh, well, this week it's going to be called "Will the Real Will the Real Christian Villanueva Please Stand Up." Um, so each week, and we did this last week as well. Uh, we will take a look at some stats from a current Padres player, how they're doing this season, and uh, basically uh, extrapolate that uh, over a full season and compare that to a, a similar previous season. Uh, from three different players. Uh, so I'll be uh, extrapolating out Christian Villanueva's uh, line that he has so far and extrapolate that over a full season. Uh, Joel, I'm going to give you those numbers and then uh, ask you who is Christian Villanueva and give you uh, three separate uh, stat lines that are from three different players. Um, for this one, I did uh, all three players in the past, uh, so past seasons, um, so that I could use their full season numbers. Oh, cool. uh, and I did, actually, I did um, Villanueva's career line because there was only like 20-something at bats last season and like 80-something at bats this season. So it came out to 101 career at bats. So I thought that was a good uh, kind of uh, line to start with. Um, so in his 100 career at bats, Excuse me, I keep wanting to call him Carlos Villanueva every freaking time, which I think was a Brewers reliever from like forever ago. Um, Christian Villanueva, uh, he in 101 at bats is his slash line, his triple slash is he's hitting 347 
with a 411 on base and a 762 slugging, which uh, equates out to a 1.173 OPS, which is damn good. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. So extrapolated over roughly a full season, and I basically just did this for the counting stats. I assumed that the triple slash stays the same. Um, but extrapolating over roughly a full season, which would be, a, I did it at 606 at-bats, so just six times as many, uh, he would have, in addition to his 347 batting average, he would have 140 runs, 72 home runs, and 150 RBI. Oh, so he's Barry Bonds. Cool. <laughs> Sign me up. Obviously, Game over. Christian Villanueva is going to hit these. Going, he's going to reach this these numbers by the end of the season. It's pretty much a guarantee Absolutely. because past performance always dictates, uh, uh, you know, future uh, future results. That's definitely how that uh, goes for sure. Yeah, that's that's what I've told my work all the time. <laughs> Works great for um, investing too. Yes, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Uh, so with that being in mind, so a 347 average, 140 runs, 72 homers, 150 RBI. Uh, so if he were to have that season, uh, who is Christian Villanueva? And I've, I've got three different choices on some, uh, some triple slash lines. So, uh, person A, they hit 356 this year, uh, the year of, uh, whatever year I picked out. Uh, they hit 356. <laughs> With 158 runs, 60 home runs, and 165 RBI. Huh. Player B hit 328 with 109 runs, 73 home runs, oh, and 137 that? RBI. Who could that <laughs> Who be? knows? <laughs> Who knows? Uh, and the last one here, player C is uh, they hit 349 with 139 runs. 50 home runs, and 175 RBI. Uh, so, do you think Christian Villanueva is player A, B, or C? Um, wow. Those are some lofty uh, comparisons for all three players. <laughs> um, so, player yeah. B is clearly Barry Bonds with the, the 73 home run figure. Yep, that's um, 01 Bonds. Uh, let's see, player C. I think he's player C. Um yeah, fifty right, home runs. So, it's the lowest of the three. Yeah, which which is clearly reachable for for Villanueva. Absolutely. So you think that Christian de Villanueva is nineteen thirty eight Jimmy Fox? Uh, totally. That <laughs> <laughs> was exactly who I was thinking. Of. <laughs> oh, Do you want to know who player A is? Uh, if he's a crazy old timer like that, I was gonna guess Giancarlo Stanton. But I don't think he got close to sixty. No, plus a three fifty six batting average. That's oh yeah, that's good. true. That's uh, player A is nineteen twenty seven Babe Ruth. <laughs> we are all in on the Christian Villanueva hype train, and I love it. Oh, man. You know, I was actually having trouble finding... I, I just went on... Uh, I think it was, it was uh, Baseball Reference, I think. It just went on their all-time war uh, leaderboard uh, for single-season war leaders. And it was honestly... I, I could either go with, like, super old-timey guys, but then the stats would just be really weird and they'd be hitting, like, 430. Right. Um, or... 
or uh, or you know, I, I was able to to find some guys, you know, like uh, like Ruth and Bonds at Fox, but it was honestly difficult to figure out. Uh, uh, th- those were honestly the only three guys that I could choose. That I, I looked through so many players, and none of them worked. That's fantastic. But uh, but yeah, we are we are one hundred percent on the Christian <laughs> being a wave hype train. So so take take Joel's word for it. He told you. That by the end of the season, Christian Villanueva will have at least the same numbers as 1938 Jimmy Fox, which are a 349 batting average with 50 home runs, 175 RBI, and 139 runs. That's so many RBIs. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> I know it's nuts, and you know what's crazy? That's not even the most. Because uh, was it Hack Wilson or was it um um I forget if. Edgar Gonzalez or Hack Wilson has the most RBIs. Oh yeah, it is MLB record. Yeah, Hack Wilson, 191 RBI back in like the I don't know, 20s, Man. late 20s. Yeah, 191. That's just bonkers. I think I think Edgar had like 180 something one year. That sounds right. But uh, that's tremendous. But uh, yeah, yeah, just bonkers, 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 bonkers. So. 100%. Uh, yeah, honestly, if, if he ends up, you know, hitting, uh, if Villanueva ends up hitting, like, 270 with, like, 35 home runs and, like, 90 RBI, I mean, I think I'd probably be fine with that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah and his, I think that's a good... His bad ups at 390 right now, so, I mean, he could regress a, a touch for sure. Um, yeah. I mean... Obviously, he's he's as having as hard hot a start as you can have. Oh, now it's showing. Okay, so this is after today. He's down to three ninety on the BABIP. But uh, yeah, I mean he's he's white hot right now. He's got eight home runs already. He's he's close to the yeah. top of the league, I think, as far as home runs. He's leading all rookies, if I remember correctly, in terms of home runs. Um, yeah, I believe it's him and uh, and Franchi is second. No way, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's first, Franchi's second, so that's uh, pretty damn good. Yeah, Franchi. Franchi's the other guy. I'm, I'm, I mean, come on, it's obvious who who isn't high on Franchi Cordero. Yeah. But the, yeah, we, I was going to bring him up John. again because he hit another monster bomb. This he he hit another uh, monster home run a couple days ago, and I was going to bring him up, but uh, I, I just didn't didn't have to fit him in there. But yeah, I mean, he's he's striking out a lot. So if we're talking about John Carlos Stanton, I mean, it's it's kind of hard not to try to line those two up because I mean, he hits just these monster shots, but he also strikes out at a pretty high rate. Um, but he's got the speed too. I mean, they, they haven't with, you know, they haven't been able to play center field. So that's, that's a yeah, really scary it. combination. Um, totally it, with the potential, eh, maybe not a five tool guy cause he's striking out so much, but I mean, he's right there. Four. Yeah. Four out of five ain't bad. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the thing I like too about Villanueva is it's not just like a Chris Shelton thing where it's like he was hot in spring training and had a hot April and we're never going to hear from him again. Um, but he was doing this last, I mean, granted very in a very small sample size, but he was doing this last season. Um, like his numbers last season were pretty similar to this. Um, which is nice that he's able to kind of carry that production over, even if it's not sustainable, but you know, he's able to, uh, to continue that for a while. So, you know, if, uh, if he ends up sticking it at third base for a few years, I, I would be fine with that if, if, uh, if he gives even, you know, 70% of what he's doing right now. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think we need to expect 72 home runs year in and year out from him. I mean, anything else is just underperformance, so. and we need to send him down to work some things out. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Good shit. Oh, all right. Well, um, let me look through here. That is that's kind of all I've got on the rundown. Did you want to – anything else you wanted to go over no, I think uh, I think we did a pretty good job covering uh, a a whole lot of uh, different Padres uh, issues, scuttlebutts. If you yeah, will. oh yeah. Uh, can you pluralize scuttlebutt? Does that work, scuttlebutts? I th- I think you should be able to. Yeah, I, well, I'm gonna do it. Scuttlebutts. So I'm not gonna ask for permission. Scut- scuttlebutts. You could just be annoying and call them the scuttles butt. The scuttles butt. Oh my gosh, like the attor- mm. attorneys general, like that. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. No, but yeah, I think I think we did a pretty good job this week covering a covering a wide range of Padres topics and a little bit of NFL as well for the uh, the football fan, which is I mean, who's not in? Oh football? yeah. Gotta so. bring it in. All the um, <laughs> cross what uh, cross sports. I don't know promotion uh cool all right that is it for another week of dads talking dads but before we go joel and i just wanted to share a couple recommendations that we have for you Uh, i'm going to try and do this at the end of uh, the show each week where joel and i just recommend uh anything we want really just you know anything uh, that we feel would enrich your lives in some way shape or form uh joel do you want to start off yeah, uh, I mentioned it earlier in the show today. Uh, if you want a, a fun trip down uh, Nostalgia Lane, fire up Netflix and uh, get into some Bill Nye the Science Guy. Um, I'm particularly fond of the uh, the Planets episode. Um, it's back from when Pluto was still considered a planet, so it's a very entertaining watch. Uh, Bill Nye the Science Guy, everybody, my recommendation. <laughs> I love it, I love it. Well, speaking of uh, going, back, uh, going back in time a little bit, my recommendation this week is uh, I'd like each and every one of you to listen to the radio stream uh, or the radio uh, broadcast uh, of a baseball game, ideally a Padres game, but, uh, but listen to the radio, radio broadcast of a baseball game and um, you know take a, just kind of sit back and take a few moments and listen to the game. Uh, I, I like to do that every once in a while. Uh, you know, sit out on the back porch and, and listen to the game instead of watching it. And uh, I, I really enjoy hearing how differently the game is explained over an audio broadcast versus a uh, versus a video broadcast. So uh, yeah, sit back and uh, grab a drink and listen to the radio stream. And uh, after you do that, uh, watch some Bill Nye. And uh, hopefully we've helped your. <laughs> hopefully we've uh, we've made your lives even better. All right, that's it for a, uh, another week of Dads Talking Dads. We'll be back next week. I am Johnny. I'm Joel. And this was Dads Talking Dads. You have a good one.